passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You see... John's not the only one that has a win at Fastlane to pave his road to WrestleMania. And yes, he did say that if and when he wins, well, I can just have my rematch at WrestleMania. Well, John, that's not what I want. And correct me if I'm wrong, WWE Universe, that's not what you want either. I want my WrestleMania moment. And that's taking the most prestigious championship in the history of our business and taking it to the grandest stage of them all, the main event of WrestleMania, and defending it against the best. And he has every right to call himself the best. I want you, Shinsuke Nakamura. As if they don't have too much on their plates The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade They'll talk about the things they did that day They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H Rewind to Smackdown 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 Live It's John Pollock and Wei Tang Live it's live for us. Weren't you going to do something else? Um, I don't know. You've you've put so much pressure on me now to start these. I, and booyaka, I booyaka. <laughs> How are you, Japan? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a great start, actually. Uh, for those of you that heard our second show of the day, actually, it was our first show of the day. This is show number two. You will get that reference, as you will all of the happenings at New Japan's anniversary show. So for all of you cafe members out there, like, we're we're in a, on a bit of a marathon. I feel we we've done like three shows now over the course of the past thirty hours. I know. I was thinking about that right before we started this. Is that you and I have done three shows now in the course of twenty four hours? You must be sick of me by by this late hour on a Tuesday night. Uh I mean it's beyond the three hours. It's also been like thirteen years. So oh, I, I was sick of you ow. a long time ago. What a <laughs> dick! Unbelievable start to this show. <laughs> Waiting, clearly the Sami Zayn of this friendship. Mm. Just taking advantage of me. I am the most underrated podcaster on this brand. And I'm just kind of just spinning my wheels. Don't know what I'm doing. That was Kevin Owens' role. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, just uh, putting it all into context there. How was, uh, <laughs> I can't even ask you how your day was. How was uh, 
your afternoon and evening. Yeah, I um, I recorded a show with you and then uh, uploaded it and then I took a nap. Did you have dinner? Uh, during SmackDown, yeah. Oh yeah, what'd you have? I had some rotisserie chicken. Oh, um, I had chicken as well. Oh yeah, fried fried chicken. Oh, that's nice. It was what, good. Uh, did you fry it or did you purchase? Uh, my wife made it. Oh, Does she, she it. fries it herself or shake and bake? Uh, it really actually isn't fried chicken. It was like, uh, it was actually in the oven, but it was. Why did you say fried chicken then? Because I'm fried. My brain is fried <laughs> right now. That's why I said that. <laughs> you lied. I did you? lie. I'm sorry. You you literally caught me in my lie of what I had for dinner because yeah. I had the, the wrong chicken. Betrayal. Well, that is, uh, that's it. That's all we've got to talk about. Yeah, you can't trust the thing this man says throughout the course of this review. Not a thing at all. If you were not watching SmackDown and 205 Live and God knows what else tonight, how would you have spent your Tuesday night? Do you ever think of this? Um, yeah. I, um, well, I've been thinking about uh, jumping back into jujitsu. Um, oh. So maybe I would do something like that. I've really kind of neglected my body ever since starting this whole thing. So I think it's time that I, I figure something out. I'm at the same point. I think I, I definitely need... Uh... To get back into a an, a more active lifestyle. Yeah. Have you ever thought about um, pro wrestling training? No, not really. Have you? Oh. Honestly, like um, for the help for the just the the actual workout that no, would it, it would more entail, so, more or? so more so just uh, to gain the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the health would sort of be like a, a side effect of it, but I mean, also knowing what I know about pro wrestling, I I also fear that training pro wrestling isn't necessarily the best thing for my health. Um, but not that that should deter anybody, but, um, I, I, I would know. certainly, I, I would certainly do, uh, some classes just for some, just pure educational mm-hmm. purposes. Sure. Why not? Yeah, okay. It would be educational. Let's stop giving people ideas. Cause, uh, I know the more we talk about it, the more pe- people are going to pressure us to actually do it. So, um, let's end this conversation for the time being. All right, then. Well, that's fine. Off the top, as we mentioned, we do have our Patreon bonus show up covering the New Japan anniversary show. So you can go check that out at uh, postwrestlingcafe.com. We've also got Rewind to Raw up from Monday night. And then later on this week, Thursday, it's the return of Martin, Ollie, and Benno with the British Wrestling Experience. That's where it I is... know we could sign up. The New Japan Dojo. Oh, sure. We yeah. could we could do that. That would be a, a walk in the park. Yeah. Be a lot of fun. Learn how to you do some have, headbutts. Uh, yeah, you could have uh, Eugene Nagata just throw you around. Maybe uh, Kitamura could come in and deliver you uh, well, I'm, I'm at the chops. I'm at the L.A. Dojo. Oh, the L.A. Dojo. Okay. Well, sure. You could definitely do that. Train under Shibata. Sorry, continue. What, 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 what does uh, British wrestling experience have? Well, they've got a show coming up Thursday. I don't know what the show will entail. I haven't well, heard it yet. I can tell you, I've actually heard it already. Um, oh, you've you've spoiler, spoiler well, alert. Yeah, sorry, spoiler they're not alert. live, everybody. <laughs> I don't know what to not- tell you. They pre-recorded their show, but it's it's a fantastic show. They're reviewing Progress Chapter thir- uh, sixty four, I believe. Um, I like. I'll go through their show descriptions, and I'll just always marvel at the names of a lot of these British wrestling indies. So there's chapter 64 progress. Thunder bastards are go. 
Yes. This features Travis Banks taking on Matt Riddle, Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Jonah Rock. These cards are all, they always look incredible. And then we've got Fight Fight Club Pros, a tribute to Francois Trebek. Well, it's very very kind of them to yeah. se- uh, separate a whole show for Francois Trebek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who I'm is? Not, I'm not exactly sure who Francois Trebek is. How do you spell uh, Trebek? Is it like Alex Trebek? Yes. T R E B E K, B E Z. Huh? B E C, B E C. Yeah, that's not how Alex uh, Trebek spells his name. No, this is Francois Trebek. Well, I was asking you. Okay, everything that comes up is for Fight Club Pro. <laughs> like literally everything here is results. As you can, uh, I want to find out who is Francois <laughs> Trebek. Like, was he a pro wrestler? I'm not sure. This is the reason I'm going to be tuning in this Thursday is because I'm hoping that they will explain to us Francois Trebek. Uh, Anyway, Martin, Ollie, and Benno, they do a show every other Thursday. So do subscribe to them on their own feed. That is the British wrestling experience. Yes, that comes out on Thursday. And then uh, Friday, it's more of me and way. Where we are going to be chatting about WrestleMania 20, where it all begins again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, this was quite the show featuring uh, Angle versus Eddie Guerrero, The Undertaker versus Kane, and of course a main event featuring Chris Benoit, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels. It's a very loaded show. WrestleMania that year was over four hours in length. I was there at that show. Way was celebrating that he was turning 20. Little did he know what that decade would entail for himself uh, because he was one year away from interacting with the poison that is John Pollock. And we're going to go back to that time period in our lives. So tune in on Friday. That's going to be up on Patreon as well. And then we'll wrap it up with just some more wrestling on Sunday night because we've got Fastlane coming up. And that was tonight's whole focus was getting us ready for Fastlane. Are you in the are you in the left lane way? Are you revving yeah. your engine? I'm in the HOV lane. I've got a, a, a minimum of three passengers in my car. I'm ready. Yes. The question was, were they ready on Tuesday night? Dasha was in the ring tonight to start the show. That was the beginning of SmackDown was Dasha, who was all over the show because Renee Young was home sick. She was oh. off Raw, and she was away tonight, and this meant a lot of Dasha between this and 205 Live. She introduced Charlotte and then brought out Ruby Riot. And Riot takes the microphone away. And she says this all began on November 14th, 2017. What was that date? Well, that was when Charlotte won the SmackDown women's title. And Ruby says that Charlotte's been set up for success all her life. She's won every version of the women's title possible and says she watched the myth form of Charlotte being the personification of the women's evolution. And two weeks after she won the title, that's why Ruby Riot formed the Riot Squad to destroy the myth of Charlotte. This was the whole backstory of the Riot Squad in one promo. Yeah, I like that we had to wait, wait five months to get the reason for why this group started to team up. Well, they had to figure it out. Charlotte says the only myth that exists is that she's been handed anything. She talks about the weight of expectation that has been placed upon her shoulders. 
her failures are magnified, and any mistakes she makes represent her whole family. She has to be transcendent. She can't just be good. Riot says everything's on the line Sunday and says that Charlotte is just going to be another bleach blonde failure with a famous last name, which I didn't know if that was like some veiled David Flair reference. I doubt that. Well, what did she mean by another bleach blonde failure with a famous last name? Like maybe Brooke Hogan? Maybe. I mean, I thought I thought she meant Rick, but there's no way she could think of Ric Flair as a failure. No, that's why I think maybe it may, it was meant there's, to me. There's no mean way, David. Was, there's no way. There's no way. I, what do you mean? There's no way. He was the bleach blonde. How many other, people would get that reference? I did. Yeah, but I'm saying the, the, the whole promo was about Ric Flair's family and his kids. I I simply don't think that they at in 2018 somebody on that writing staff decided, hey. People are going to understand this David Flair reference from WCW 2000. I I really have a hard time thinking that. Well, it's not like this was the key line or anything. It was just like a throwaway line. Even if you got it, you throw, got it. Even as a throwaway line, I I, I I'm not real. I, I don't know. I I just thought thought it to, to mean Ric Flair, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense to consider Ric Flair a failure. And that, and then we have. Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan enter the ring. But then Bobby Roode's music plays way. Her mixed match challenge partner. And he comes out. And Charlotte is so happy to see this man. She's blushing in the ring. They were almost like teasing like this romance between these two. Did you not get that vibe? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, but if on, on the mixed match challenge itself, there's no tease. Certainly. Uh, it was just almost as if she, they instructed her to look like you're really happy that this guy's showing up. And I didn't know what was going, going on here. I thought, or, are we building up to the Riot Squad versus Bobby Roode? Um, and instead, this was really nothing. Bobby's really a woman, and he's going to have a tag match with Charlotte against mm-hmm. the Riot Squad. No, he was just coming out for commentary for the next match. So he had to have been in Gorilla getting ready for his next segment. And then he just told the director, no, I'm going out now. I'm going out now. But Bobby, the segment's not done yet. Yeah, I'm interrupting this. And he came out, and that was it. And this was enough to scare off the Riot Squad, because everyone left when we came back from break. This is just a weird interruption. It was, it was like a, a movie without an ending. So we just killed everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've seen them try this in the past, though, where they would, uh, you know, combine two segments by having one interrupt with another. But usually it is done to show some type of interaction between the two uh, overlapping segments. And in this case, I mean, I, I guess you could explain this as, as a uh, type of promo for the Mixed Match Challenge, but it really seemed out of place, I think, uh, in the context of, of this Riot Squad Charlotte thing. Yeah, if this was the year 2000, Bobby would have come out with a chair and chased off the women with a threat of chair shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought Ruby and Charlotte both did fine here. They both delivered their lines to the best of their abilities. Um, if you can, if you enjoy like the scripted nature of WWE promos, these two were very good at delivering mm-hmm. those style promos. Yeah, but I would say for both of these two, and especially Ruby, it still comes across like a very unnatural uh, delivery. It feels like there are people trying to act and, you know, but at the same time, like this is kind of what's expected of them at this stage 
in her early WWE career. So it feels very unnatural, but uh, maybe just chalk it up to like lack of experience doing this type of thing. It takes me back to when I had to do public speaking in school and you'd have to get up in front of your class and every single person had to deliver a five minute speech. Mm. And that's what it felt like. It was like, you're not talking like a normal person. You're just, you're trying to deliver a speech and your kingdom will crumble. Yeah. So it's like, this is, this is a delivery. This is like, you are just reciting to me. Uh, but no. I didn't think she was bad at it either. This was the most we've ever heard Ruby speak. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like, this is the state of what WWE promos, 90% of them are today. And yeah. these were two of the better, I think deliveries, if we're comparing it to the rank and file promos on this particular week's show. Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal as uh, nightmares of 2017 came rushing through all of our heads. They're in very different places now. Mahal blocked a RKO early on to set up a commercial break, and then he, uh, he took over here. Rude noted that he's been following Randy's career for the past 16 years. He's always had it on in the background at the Impact Zone. Rude respects Orton, but he doesn't respect Mahal. Orton comes back with clotheslines, a power slam. Mahal then escapes a draping DDT attempt. So Orton goes to the floor and he grabs poor Sunil, lifts him up into orbit, and he drops down onto the announcer's desk. A spot that I will never hold my breath. Uh, sorry. A spot that I will always hold my breath watching from the infamous uh, dumping of these guys on the desk last summer. There has to be some type of uh, art and skill to taking this. Because these guys just... Well, there's also a skill in delivering it, which we've seen varying degrees of from Randy. Yeah, I guess. Toss the guy up as high as you can and hope that he holds his head. And if, he, and if you're worried that he broke his neck, just look awkward to the camera. Yeah. Orton sent Mahal into Bobby Roode, returned to the ring, hit the draping TDT, and calls for the RKO, but Bobby's pissed. He's on the apron. He yells at Orton. Mahal comes up from behind, drills Orton with a knee, sending him into Roode, and he hits the Coloss to pin Orton. Yeah, I thought it was a very okay WWE TV match. Um, High praise from you. (laughs) This was a very okay WWE (laughs) television match. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that, like, they they didn't set out here to, like, steal the show or anything. They set out here to have your typical WWE-style match, and I thought they, you know, these are two people who... Who can do that? Um, the finish I found like a really just kind of generic and predictable, you know, for a three way. Uh, toss the guy into the guy sitting at the announce desk, and the announce desk guy is going to come up and distract you for the finish. It just feels like it's a story that you'd see programmed into a video game. I found Rude awfully generic on commentary as well. I think his entire babyface run. It doesn't feel like he nor the announcers know who he is, so he hardly does anything memorable, including his uh, time on commentary here. Would you have enjoyed this more if Randy Orton's entrance included him coming out with a microphone stand and lip-syncing his own song and then blasting Jinder with a microphone stand while Bobby Roode was on the apron? I think so. Yeah, completely. I think lip-syncing helps every wrestler. And this is not, as of now, a three-way. 
I thought this was clearly what they were doing after Jinder pinned Orton, but this is still listed as a singles match with Rude and Orton. Not that I'm complaining. I prefer the singles match. You have to imagine that Jinder will be involved somehow Great. in that match, and perhaps they're building towards something with the three of them at Mania. Oh, wow. Yeah, you got to save up for that one. Sami Zayn is with Kevin Owens in the locker room, and Owens brings up Zayn's idea of laying down for him at Fastlane. And he has a hard time believing this, but then starts praising Zane because he's such a great guy. Zane says that Owens is the reason that he's even in the six-pack challenge, and he's going to have his time. Owens is one win away from headlining WrestleMania and becoming a Grand Slam champion. And yes, he will lay down for Owens on Sunday. And they hug together. I thought Sammy, like, okay, we're talking about, like, scripted delivery and how some people can sound really forced and unnatural. Uh, I think Sammy is certainly an exception. I think he always feels like he's truly like he feels very believable and he feels very natural delivering his lines. Um, so I and I'm starting to think that's you know a real rarity amongst a lot. Oh, of it's the a, it's definitely a rarity. I mean, Owens and Zayn are two of the the few that I think do come off as genuine with their promos. Mm-hmm. Baron Corbin selfie promo as we go to the insincerity. Here's our recap way. John Cena, WWE Championship match. Grateful. I owe John Cena. Dream. Nightmare. Beat your eyes closed. Logo of WrestleMania sign. You can't see me. Yeah, for those upset at the the lack of selfie promos and the lack of captioned words on screen during Raw, they were back. They're full. Of, they're in full effect on SmackDown. So. Oh my God! Including WrestleMania will never be shown in just strict text format. It will be the logo now that they have incorporated here. I mean, oh, this fe- right. <laughs> this is just. <laughs> It looks terrible. Like, this looks like if I was flipping through, I'd be like, oh, this looks like some garbage off of like Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of too bad, too, because I actually thought this was a pretty good promo from Cor- Corbin with some pretty good lines. I'm going to beat Cena's eyes closed so he can't see me. I, I mean, I thought that was pretty clever. No? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm imagining the visual now of uh, John Cena. I mean, his road to WrestleMania, it's like, you can't, you can't drive any longer. You're blinded. That would be the ultimate comeuppance for John Cena. He's blinded. Mm. He has no vision. They did a- <laughs> that would be funny. Well. That would be ironic. Well, it's it, clearly we have learned the guy says no to nothing if they pitch it to him. Mm-hmm. There is a big feature on the Usos and New Day. They were not present on this show, uh, but they did have that great segment last week, so... I guess they just figured, well, that was enough. So they had this video. Yeah, the video was was good. I mean, it was essentially just something that was uh, visually illustrating the promos that they did last week. So when the Usos talked about never getting a WrestleMania shot, they showed them in their previous form. Uh, when the New Day talk talk about how they've been, uh, you know, breaking barriers, they they show them hosting WrestleMania. You know, so it was good stuff. I, I I wonder if this is like the blow off for this feud, or if they'll continue to uh, to do something for WrestleMania. If it is the blow off, I mean, color me a little bit disappointed that you know, not that they need it, but if this is going to be the end of their feud for a while, I really would have liked to have seen another rap battle before one of these two teams switches brands. 
maybe this could be the ladder match at WrestleMania involving uh, multiple tag teams on SmackDown. So what are the teams? Uso's New Day, like, would you throw the fashion police into something like that, too? I could see them ending up in it. I could definitely see the Bludgeon Brothers in there. See, though, with the tag team and the ladder, though, like, you, you really have to limit the, the number of teams, though, because you've already got six bodies if you're doing three teams. Well, that's, that's kind of like a, a standard Money in yeah. the Bank match now is, you know, your, your eight guys. But at the same um, time, this, team, this, this feud, they've already done a, a hell in a cell. Well, I, I just I don't know what else there is for uh, these particular teams. Like, I would have been fine if they just held off the Usos and New Day at WrestleMania. I think that's a fine straight up tag match at WrestleMania. Uh, gets the Usos on the main card, which is the story they're doing. And there's not like this great depth of options. I mean, the Bludgeon Brothers are the only team they've kind of uh, protected throughout all of this. So I guess they have to be involved somehow. Yeah, but it's just fine. You have two. Two tag champions and not a whole lot of challengers on both brands. Which, by the way, I wanted to ask you this. Because on this show, granted we, we had a, the main six guys involved heavily throughout the, uh, the second hour of this show. But here we are structuring a two-hour show going into the pay-per-view. And they didn't have time for the Usos and New Day. And it's frequent on SmackDown. You don't have time for all these guys. Let's, let's imagine that the WWE goes to Fox. And Raw moves to two hours. And it's going to be a hard out because there's not going to be any more overrun if you have to be done in time for the, the news mm-hmm. at 10 o'clock. So imagine Raw on top of that with the expectation level of the audience that I think you're going to have to put a ton of the SmackDown stars on Raw, fitting all these people into a weekly two-hour show. It, it, it'll definitely be a change of pace from what we've become accustomed to especially on Raw. But, you know, it, I think what it would mean would be the end of long matches. Um, no but, more gauntlets, I would imagine. Yeah, maybe not. That that record might not be broken for a long time. Uh, but it also... But I think it's for the better, to be quite honest. Um, there just still happens to be a lot of filler on a three-hour show like Raw. And let's not, you know, pretend that they won't do that extra hour on the network, either before or afterwards. So... A lot of your mid-card feuds could be built up there. Yeah, I just wonder, like, if you're just talking about, like, if you want your AJs and Owens and Ortons all featured on this network show, it's just figuring in all your top guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they have a hard time doing that on SmackDown, much less if it were combined with the major stars on Raw. So, do, do I mean, th- that's... Do you think the rosters will change that much in terms of star power from what we're seeing right now? I do think they'll load up Raw significantly more. I, mean, I don't know if I don't know if they'll end the brand split, but I don't think they're going to want to have any like that. There's such a higher expectation when you're on network television of getting your largest audience. Does SmackDown feel like it's that loaded in star power right now, though? Like I would argue that Raw already is is more than stacked. Uh, I think Raw is uh, sustainable, especially when you eliminate an hour from it. Uh, I just think that as you're going to Fox, it's going to, at least to start, they're going to have the mentality that they're going to want all of their stars on one show. Like that will be clear cut the number one show. I still think there's a lot of value in having a brand split, though, even if you're going to uh, sway the odds, uh, you know, towards Raw a little bit more. Even if you're going to position uh, SmackDown as a clear B show, it's still 
advantageous to keep those rosters separate so that you can have a lot of your developing guys become big stars on SmackDown before you switch them over to Raw. You know, and again, I'm thinking about guys like Samoa Joe who would get lost in the shuffle on Raw, but would do really well on SmackDown. You almost treat SmackDown like it's your your uh, a further extension of NXT. Well, all hypothetical at this uh, point, but that's mm-hmm. certainly. I mean, there's just there's a million different um, topics that come out of that that potential with a move to Fox. Dasha is with Shinsuke Nakamura. I sat back. I was looking forward to this. She asks if his dream match with AJ is in jeopardy. And he was like, yeah, no shit. The title's on the line on Sunday. And he says that he hopes Styles wins so he can beat him at WrestleMania. And he goes to say with a knee to the face. But Rusev and Aiden English walk in. And Nakamura may have caused permanent damage to Aiden English's voice. Yeah, because he need him in the throat. He need him in the throat. So now Aiden can't speak. And Rusev says, this is like ruining the hands of Billy Joel, the piano man. Nakamura says, he isn't Billy Joel. And Rusev challenges him to a match at Fastlane. And, or sorry, Rusev makes the challenge. Nakamura accepts. There was no reaction from the crowd to this. And Nakamura said when he wins, it will be Nakamura Day, which he sang. He sang it really well. Yeah, good for him. It maybe was, he can. Maybe him and Rusev could be the new uh, pairing, and he could be the guy singing. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I still feel like Nakamura is being overly scripted, and the scripting isn't that great. But here, I think he was at least able to make everybody laugh, and I think as a babyface, that's always a positive. People weren't laughing at him; he was he cracked a joke and and, and happened to make people laugh. I feel like they're not. You know, like Nakamura, so much of, I think, how he looks, how he comes across is that he's this weird but very interesting guy. And I don't think he's been weird enough yet on uh, WWE TV, at least certainly not in the way he speaks. They're scripting him very normally. They're they're scripting him like like how somebody, uh, uh, like just nothing, like nothing memorable. Whereas, like, even him doing this little Nakamura Day thing, he did it with so much kind of, like, uh, uh, charisma that even even if there, there is, really wasn't a ton of content, content when you look at the words, it stood out and, and, and became memorable. So, I don't know. They still kind of have to figure something out for Nakamura. I, I know that they're probably keeping him back until Fastlane is done before really attempting to push him. I hope that in these past- he's He's on the shoulder of the road at the moment. <laughs> he's parked, yeah. He's changing his tires um, or filling up gas. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, oh, we'll I, see, we'll I see what not. they have in store. What? I said, I, I hope not. That's that's 30 days. Uh, Becky, Carmella, and Natalia had this promo from last week. It was a WWE.com exclusive, but not a selfie promo, but still we included the words on the screen. First of all, I don't know what the hell this was. I literally had to watch this promo twice because I didn't know what was going on here. Somehow in all of this, Becky challenged Carmella on Twitter while she was standing, sitting next to her and asked, asked people to send their vote with the hashtag Becky will beat Carmella and learn that people don't like Carmella. It was trending and next week Carmella will be tapping. No, this was really bad. This was a really stupid reason for a match. 
Ruby Riot sounded like Gary Hart in comparison mm-hmm. to this. Yeah. yeah, this sucks. And that set up our match. This was my unintentional, unintentional comedy of the week. Carmella has had this damn briefcase for so long mm-hmm. that as she's walking to the ring, they are promoting that this Friday tickets go on sale for Money in the Bank 2018. Oh, wow. It's been a long time. It has. And I mean, to kind of like when you think about that and to see where Carmella's at right now, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, been used all that effectively. Because people with the money in the bank typically use it as a spotlight to help themselves, to get people to pay attention to them as they continue to get, uh, develop a lot more, to get over more with the audience. But with Carmella, she's simply been using the briefcase as a spotlight to make sure people don't forget about her. I think they've given her very little development over the past year. I thought she was far more entertaining and threatening with Ellsworth by her side. I thought taking him away was a mistake. And in ring... She really, I mean, when you watch this match, she really hasn't shown that much improvement. Um, but at the same time, I wonder how much in-ring time she's been given to improve. So they're going to have a really hard time like justifying a title run with her uh, when she does cash in. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think losing Ellsworth has definitely diminished her act. I think that was a very short-sighted release that he he added a lot for Carmella, even to just get through the whole money in the bank thing. And if you are bound and determined to get rid of this character, it should be after she has achieved her goal and just use this guy all along and then dumps him. Is there consideration for that, that they might bring him back seeing how kind of directionless she is without him? She doesn't feel like a priority at all. So I don't even know if they're, they would even be thinking that way of like, what's not working with her. She like she's just, be, she, she has to be soon though. She has to cash in soon. Sometime before June. So uh, they've got time, but it's just, um, yeah. And I think Becky Lynch isn't in all that different a position. Like just these background female characters that it's like they have their their focused women. And it's Charlotte and it's Ruby Riot this month. And then it's going to be Asuka going into WrestleMania. And the rest of the women are just going to kind of blend into the background. Unless yeah. they have some idea to get all the women on the card at WrestleMania, which they'll just be background players in and what a change for smackdown over the past year like if you remember when the brand split first started we were raving about the the women's division on smackdown when when they had alexa when it was naomi when it was like uh um who am i missing here uh natalia you know like it felt like the women's division was doing really well because they were building up new stars and giving a lot of character time for almost all of them and it was the tag team division that that needed a lot of work now it's sort of the opposite, where I think the tag team division is pretty healthy, but I feel like the women's division uh, is is quite lacking. Yeah, and it kind of coincides with um, the the uh, their former uh, lead writer Tom Cassiello, the one who I recapped that podcast interview. He did that really lengthy one a couple of months back, and mm. he was he was writing heavily for the women, and he was there. I think it was till the end of 2016, and he was a huge advocate for the women and was someone that had really ascended that food chain uh, amongst the writing staff that uh, when he left, I, I think it's pretty noticeable to look at where SmackDown mm-hmm. is and kind of where the women have kind of descended, at least on SmackDown where it feels on raw, they're much heavily focused upon now. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where the focus is. And 
here on SmackDown, it's even Charlotte. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. like she feels like she's gone down several notches in terms of the the strength her character had a year ago when you're comparing that. Interesting. Becky and Carmella had their match. Uh, Becky's face was rubbed into the mat. Byron suggests that Carmella may be scared of becoming someone like Damian Sandow or Baron Corbin and being a failure with the briefcase. Uh, There was a head scissors by Carmella in the ropes and then grabs Becky by the hair. Naomi is watching this match backstage. There were big strikes from Becky. Carmella hit a sidekick. She's frustrated, throws a tantrum, and then takes a Bexploder. And there's a wheelbarrow into a headlock takeover. And Becky applies the disarmor, tapping out Carmella at 515. Match. A match. Cut to Naomi in the back. Natalia walked in, calling Becky Lucky Lynch. And she only won because Carmella had the flu all weekend and says to Naomi that all of Becky's friends get burned. And that Natalia, Naomi says, has no friends that aren't cats. And Naomi challenges Natalia and Carmella for a tag match with her teaming with Becky for Fastlane. They accept. And Naomi says that Natalia will be on her couch with two paws watching WrestleMania. Yeah, everything about the, this backstage skit, from the lighting to the terrible acting to the lines... <laughs> It felt really corny and over the top, like, like almost as if it was straight out of glow. Um, <laughs> but I think Naomi's a great baby face. <laughs> Did you catch this this scenic shot outside the arena? Oh yeah, it was great. What was this? There was a statue outside, and it's snowing. And I don't know if it was a fan. I, no, I thought no, it was it, like a production guy. Was I'm that... pretty sure it's a production dude. Yeah, it had to have been. Um. Yeah, and this guy just walks up the stat the steps on the statue and totally wipes out in the snow, and the announcers just howled at this. And we got it. Uh, they replayed it. Mm-hmm. It was funny. I mean, I imagine they were shooting this earlier in the day, and then they happened to capture this, and they thought, "Hey, wouldn't it be funny if we put Bob on TV slipping in the snow?" Well, shorts. that's what. Well, that's why I thought maybe it was just some some idiot who ran into the shot like why would why would a guy that's part of this this shoot like part of this team run into the shot maybe to set up the shot somehow maybe like to test their oh and they just had the camera locked off and they just luckily had this rolling yes Yes. yeah that's you're probably right anyway this is this is the most fascinating scene that we're breaking down (laughs) the logistics of aj came out and he spoke about the grind to get here after spending years Elsewhere. Elsewhere is the version of uh, another promotion that the UFC will throw out there. It's the Nether Realm. Yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Nether Realm, t- Tennessee. Yes. Uh, by the way, uh, Rebby Hardy brought up, she shot all that footage last week that we saw on Raw. Oh, impressive. Yeah, they should she hire shot. her. Yeah, I, I was, uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, this sounded like like you would be the better expert here, way. But is that I don't know what Rebby Hardy's experience is uh, shooting footage or using a drone. But I mean, do you, do you this stuff isn't her? hard? This stuff isn't hard to to learn these days. Like you could do it. Anybody could do it. I, if I could do it, anybody could do it. It's just it's 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 just like flying a remote control car or a sorry helicopter. Yeah. Well, this was a. Uh... Anyway, that's what that's what Rebby stated. She stated that she shot the footage. Uh, AJ says he doesn't have to be pinned to lose the title. 
It's not fair, but he's going to fight. And he brings up John Cena. The crowd boos. And he brings up his loss last week and airs part of Cena's promo from Raw with the addition of words on the screen to recap his promo, including another use of the WrestleMania logo. So this is now permeated into the recap segments. I know. I hate it. I just hate it. It's so unnecessary. Like, it makes it look like uh, one of those lyric videos. You ever watch those on YouTube? No, I get really annoyed by the words on the screen. Okay. So, so like, these days, uh, artists don't just have music videos. Like, when we were young, John, back in our day, artists only had one video. But now artists happen to have multiple videos. So somebody like a Justin Bieber will have, like, their music video, and then they'll also have their lyrics video, where uh, lyrics for their song will appear on screen. Uh, to encourage fans to sing along. And they'll display these words in like very kind of creative, inventive ways. And this is what this feels like. Great. So I can I can learn all the words to the promos. Yeah. And then go to my local live event. And can, what do I do? Do I shout the promo at John when he comes out? I'll just shout them to anybody. Randomly. Only the keywords, though. They don't want me to know the whole promo. Yeah. Okay. The promo, of course, was Cena stating he'll break the record this weekend, and then Styles can just have his rematch at WrestleMania in the Lava 3 with, with Nakamura. Simple. And Styles says, yes, I can have my rematch at WrestleMania, but that's not what I want. And he doesn't think the audience wants that either, and they all chant no. I want my WrestleMania moment. And that's taking the most prestigious title to the main event of WrestleMania and defending against the best. And he wants Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, he didn't explain what would happen if he got a phone call at midnight the night before WrestleMania and there had been some accident back at home. <laughs> yeah. So, no, he didn't say that. Yeah. So that's, of course, this is all contingent on everything. Uh, he says, who would have thought this match would happen in the WWE? And he says to the audience that I'm fighting for us at Wrestle at Fastlane. Because this year's WrestleMania title match is for us, by us. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So now the main draw of Fastlane is not to see who will win the WWE it's, Championship. It's don't let John ruin this fucking match. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it's about whether or not AJ Styles can protect the audience's dream of seeing a match between he and Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, which, to be honest, is, I think, a bit more of a... Of a of a real kind of stakes for for us to get into, like if, when you're telling me that John Cena is now involved in the match, the number one thing that I think everybody is concerned about is that Cena will somehow take AJ's spot. But we all know that's not going to happen. But still, I think for them to um, spell this out for people was good. I mean, it again, ultimately, your goal is to build towards that WrestleMania main event, and this uh, just kind of drives home the point that hey. Even if you didn't know it, you really want to see Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles, and that's the only match you want to see. I thought a really great babyface promo from AJ. Great composure, great delivery. And for AJ, too, what we were talking about before, this, to me, didn't feel like a performance. It's It felt simple to understand, and it made you want to see him win. Well, it was for us. It yes. wasn't for them. I will say this, and maybe I should reserve judgment till we get to Mania with the Taker program, but... These last few months, I think they've done a number on the John Cena character. And it feel like he does not feel like the same John Cena of a year ago. And 
much further removed from the uh, that whole run he had as U.S. champion, where I think that people would have been, uh, I I don't know, much more into this uh, the six pack challenge, into what he's doing at WrestleMania, and I just think that he's they're telling this story, but it's playing out. I think with this guy losing a lot, he is yes, the boos are there, but it's he's presented as like this like this negative force that has just been dropped upon us. And, (laughs) and that's just coupled with, you know, that just that nothing appearance at survivor series. And we instantly pin this guy and just, just put him through the ringer of all these losses, which I get is the story they're telling. But in telling this story, I think it's brought John Cena down significantly from being this, this larger than life star that they had, that they're not in a huge abundance of either in this company. I think I think there's some, something to that. It also though just feels like they they see John Cena now as somebody who is untouchable, who will always have his star power no matter how many times he loses. I think there's something to that too. Like he's he's like Jericho. You can job him out and he'll still be John Cena the next day and he'll he'll still be able to headline a a main event the next day. Um I I mean I don't think I have to wonder like when he will be in a serious feud for the championship uh, again next time. I feel like when it comes to that, you will start to see him getting a few more wins and looking a, a little bit stronger, like him beating the Undertaker, for instance. That could, you know, um, jumpstart one final big push for a singles title run, title match. I mean, Dolph Ziggler interrupts him. He comes out and says, AJ used to be cool, but you changed, and you're not phenomenal. You're desperate. And Styles said, that's rich coming from a guy that hasn't reached his full potential in 13 years. Ziggler says Styles is going to lose at Fastlane because his head isn't in the right place. You're doing it for these people, and the second that you let them down, they stab you in the back because it happened to me. Okay, okay. Wasn't Dolph a babyface last week? That was last week. <laughs> he was standing tall. Well, we had him in the ring with AJ and who was the other babyface? Was Cena, right? And then he attacked them. Right, okay. So to, to show that it was everybody for themselves. Yes. But Dolph hasn't cut this, like, you know, the people, uh, you know, fuck the people. Like, they've, they've really, they, I don't need them type of promo. Like, since his return, right? This would have made sense either the week right after the Rumble. I mean, this this whole, th- trying to make sense of this character is just, yeah, I'm going to need Tylenol because you, it'll just make my head hurt. Do you remember the, the week when he finally came back for this current run where he first came out as a heel and then um, that Corbin match got scrapped and it turned into something like a tag match and Dolph ended up being the baby face getting all the applause at the end of the show? So he was riding that for a few weeks until this week when he is a heel yet again. Yes. So this character is going nowhere. He has returned and feels that he is owed a massive spot on this show. And yet you, you lost at the rumble. You're going to lose this Sunday. Like your character loses. Like if this is a, if this is a sport, like what are you complaining about? 
Mm. Like, oh, what's his gripe? It's like if this guy were Damian Maya going on this seven fight win streak, yeah, he's frustrated. Why haven't I got a welterweight title fight yet? But this guy just he gets all these opportunities and he loses them. So what's the character's motivation here? He's all and, right. then he, and he finally wins a title and he ditches it. He just walks away from it. Well, but the story is that the the U.S. title is not going to get him any closer to the main event of WrestleMania. Drawing number 30 in the Royal Rumble, that would get you very close to the main event at WrestleMania, right. and he mm-hmm. blew it. Anyway, he says that he was told that he would never be a champion here, ever. But he kicked down every wall, he won money in the bank, and he became champion. And the audience relished in it, but they didn't deserve it. And he calls it criminal that he has never had a singles match at WrestleMania. And that is astounding, actually, that he has never had a singles match at WrestleMania. And he tells Styles that he can take his dream match and shove it. And Styles suggests, why don't we have our match now instead of in 20 minutes? And Dolph is like, so that the fans don't have to hear me do my entrance again? Sure. <laughs> that record scratching is, is just terrible. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, when, when Dolph mentioned that, the idea of Dolph uh, being in the main event of WrestleMania at this point just kind of makes me laugh. But in reality, I, I do love the fact that they're crafting scenarios and motivations for all of the participants in this match. Yes. So we've got Kevin Owens' chance to win is that he's just on screen engaging in collusion so that another participant will throw the match. Baron is going to sew a man's eyes shut. Uh, Ziggler is after his lifelong goal of being in the ring with one other individual at WrestleMania. AJ is like the only human being here uh, that you can sympathize with. John Cena is going for a fake record. And Sami Zayn's smarter than 90% of these people. And he's got his own plan. He's going to fuck his best friend over. So that's kind of our our character uh, motivations going into Sunday. Yeah, that's pretty much it. AJ and Dolph. Styles caught a super kick and goes for the Styles Clash right away, and Ziggler escapes to the floor. We went through a commercial break. Ziggler kicks out AJ's knee and then hit a famous surf for a two count. He was very frustrated with the kick out, and then they fought onto the edge of the apron. There was a slingshot that sent Styles into the post. They come back from a second break. Ziggler goes for the Styles Clash. Styles rolls through for the calf crusher, but Ziggler gets out, hits zigzag, and that's when Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn run in, attacking both men, and the match is thrown out, and then Styles and Ziggler fight off Owens and Zayn. Uh, but up until the finish, what did you think of the match? You know, on paper, this match looks tremendous, Dolph versus AJ, but this was really far from great, and perhaps the reason for that is because they this was only supposed to be the first portion of their match. Uh, but even so, it took up three blocks to get nowhere. And uh, I was a little disappointed by that by the end. It's kind of a metaphor for Dolph Ziggler. Shane comes out, and he knows everyone assumes he's going to make a tag match, which was very funny. But instead, he suggests making a fatal five-way with this man. And out came John Cena, and the place went insane. It was Baron Corbin. Thank you for your charity laugh. Uh, it, didn't that kind of doesn't that kind of heal Cena? Like he pretty much is presented on SmackDown this week, 
like the whole Brock character. I like, mean, it, it really does. Why didn't this guy show up this week? He was there the night before. Why didn't he come yeah. here? But but with AJ's promo, I mean, I thought AJ's promo kind of healed Cena, didn't it? He is the guy standing in the way of you and your dreams of seeing me in this match with Nakamura. So he yes. was already heel on this show. So we get a fatal five-way. Tom Phillips applauds John Cena for delivering his message on Raw because he knew something like this could happen. And I was trying to decode this line. I was like, what? He would get booked into the Fastlane main event five days early? I mean, maybe. Maybe he outsmarted the booking team here. Um, My question here, Way, and this is only because, like, this was brought up significantly at the gauntlet match when at the end of it, it was like, what did Seth really put his his body through. What is the motivation here of any of these guys to kill themselves in this means nothing match going into Sunday? Like there was nothing here. Why would you why would you go all out here? Like Kevin Owens is a coward. That is his character, a coward. So why would he be going out of his way for 20 minutes with all of these guys for before Sunday? Practice. Or practice. Yeah. Trial run. Test run. Like, I'd hide under the ring, let these four kill each other. Mm. There, There's something to that. Maybe it's just the spirit of competition. I can buy that with AJ, but mm. not these other four. Owens and Zayn worked together at the beginning. Uh, we built up to a Tower of Doom spot onto Zayn, uh, taking the superplex portion. Uh, and then we had just kind of each guy in and out, trading spots. Owen tossed Ziggler with this released German. Corbin then ran at Owens and nailed the post shoulder first. Uh, Owens has been routinely now doing uh, this like Vader bomb setup into an elbow drop that has now been dubbed the KO bomb. Cool. The KO bomb. Uh, There was a zigzag to Corbin and then Ziggler caught Zayn with a super kick. Styles made the save. Uh, Styles hit a backflip into an inverted DDT onto, or yeah, inverted DDT onto Sami Zayn that looked really good. Sets up for the phenomenal forearm, but is knocked off the apron by Owens. And then Owens turns around and gets blasted with the Haluva kick. And Zayn pins Owens as everyone was stunned. Um, I-, I thought the match was good, but I really like kind of the, the ending and mm-hmm. going off with kind of that intrigue uh, with Zayn and what his motives are for Sunday here, pinning Owens. So I-, I thought that that part was good. I agree. I thought it was a solid main event. Very fast. Very exciting. Definitely made up for the Dolph and uh, AJ match. Um, it managed to preview a number of storylines going into the match. I love that you had AJ constantly breaking up the, the, the pinfalls because the idea is that he's worried about anybody getting a pinfall because if he happens to, if, if anybody scores a pinfall, then he loses the title. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the, the fact that after everything, they had not only uh, the camera focus on Sammy Zane, or sorry, Kevin Owens to get his reaction to Sammy turning on him, but you had AJ being right there too, being focused on because he too would have would have lost if he yes. uh, lost this match. So I liked all that. But in storyline, okay, John, let me ask you: Why would Sami Zayn reveal his cards now and not wait until Sunday? That part I think is. I think that it should have been like the promo that Zayn cut here was almost like this was the reveal here. That I didn't think that they would do here. I thought they would just go off with like kind of the mystery. And Owens doesn't know what to make of Sami Zayn. Like, is he really going to screw me over on Sunday, or was this just to deflect 
uh, that attention. Um, what I think that this could have been helped by would have been, like, if you're Shane McMahon and on your own broadcast, these two are colluding of how to screw this matchup on Sunday and a guy's going to lay down for the other. Like, would Shane not be... Like, Shane should have somehow been involved here to step in, and this could have been left open-ended. Like, was Zayn really revealing his cards, or was this just to acquiesce Shane and and show him that he is not actually going to lay down for Owens? Leave it kind of open-ended. Well, you're saying this is like a like a double, double swerve, where Sammy's only doing this to trick Shane? Well, what I'm saying is that if you had just earlier in the show had Sammy backstage, mm-hmm. and Shane goes up to him saying, listen, I know what your plan is, and if you lay down for Kevin Owens, then there's going to be repercussions afterwards. And if this is the way it ends, you're left wondering, is Zayn working with Owens, or was he just doing this to throw off Shane that these two are actually still on the same page and they have a, a bigger plan? It's interesting. It's, it, is, it would be multi-layered at that point. Is that a nice way of saying this is way too confusing? <laughs> For pro wrestling, maybe. Multi-layered. Um, yeah, I think that what they wanted, though, was I, I feel you wanted to go in with mm. the, the mystery of, of what the deal is between these two. Well, I think, I think they want to set up a fair match. They want to make sure that people know that when they tune in on Sunday, they're going to get a six-on-six-on-six, six six, a true everybody-for-themselves situation. Right. So Dasha wanted to get right down to the specifics here with Sammy. And Dasha, our broadcasting professional, just asked Sammy, why? She is, she's terrible. Not to say, like, Renee is given that much better, like, material. A lot, of it, a lot of it just comes down to that. But they make them look so stupid. Well, Zane just called her out here for that vague question. He says he's the best that the WWE has, and ever since coming to SmackDown, he's been the most underlooked performer on the roster. Don't ask me stupid questions. And he proved he is the best. And the show cut off as it seemed he was like in mid thought mm-hmm. and was not quite done this promo, but they were out of there. When when Sammy cut this promo, it just made me think about uh, his appearance with Kevin Owens on Talk Is Jericho, where like. Sammy, like, seemed to truly reveal, like, a a real personal desire to someday want to be WWE champion, as I'm sure everybody does. That's where he revealed his cards. Yes. But, like, you know, this felt like it was the beginnings of of a Sammy Zayn serious title contender promo. Unfortunately, this came at the end of a show that was running low on time, and they ran out of time. He also just, like kind of turned it into like a very whiny heel promo too whiny to be taken seriously, but you saw kind of inklings of it someday. Hopefully we'll get the serious title contender, Sami Zayn. That is how the show ended. Uh, so going into fast lane, I think they're going to have a very good match in that main mm. event. Oh, I thought um, this, I thought this main event on SmackDown was a great preview of what, what you could expect on, on Sunday and not. Yeah. I'm also looking forward to it. So in addition to the six-pack challenge for the title, we've got Bobby Roode against Randy Orton for the U.S. title, the Usos against the New Day for the tag titles, Charlotte against Ruby Riot for the women's title, Shinsuke Nakamura against Rusev, and Becky Lynch and Naomi team up to take on Natalia and Carmella. 
Yeah, that'll probably be a kickoff. Uh, could definitely see that happening, yes. I guess they could always just do the fashion police or something. They'll probably add some more here. I mean, we're only six matches in, and outside of the main event, I don't know what's... Well, the Usos in New Day will probably get a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. Certainly a week or so uh, on the road to WrestleMania. So I, I imagine mm, this won't really get talked about too much. Ronda's not appearing on this show. Let's no, she is it. not. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, was it yeah. any uh, any better? Well, this was the Mixed Match Challenge between uh, two of my, probably my two favorite teams in the whole thing. And that was Team Little Big, consisting of Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman, and the team of Glowish, Jimmy Uso. That's why the Usos weren't on this week, because Jimmy Uso had to prepare for this. Jimmy Uso teaming up with his wife, Naomi. Uh, to me, these are two of the teams with some of the best chemistry in the tournament. Obviously, you know, with a husband and wife duo, you if they didn't have good chemistry, then there'd be something seriously wrong. But the biggest surprise, I think, in this whole tournament is just how great Braun and Alexa are together. So Team Little Big cut a, bit, a selfie promo. Um, Braun reminds us that they, he and Alexa are going to go all the way dot 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 to the finals of the mixed match challenge so they're they're really like this week especially they're really trying to hammer home the flirtation thing between the two and i think the idea is that alexa is flirting with braun in order to use him to win um so the crowd is chanting get these hands we start the match off alexa wants to fight naomi but braun holds her back scooping her up in one hand with one arm as if, like, Braun was holding up a little child while Alexa's, like, flailing her arms. It was very funny. Instead, Jimmy and Braun start, and Naomi starts off the match with the most concerned look on her face, like she was about to send her husband off to to war, uh, constantly hugging Jimmy, holding him back from starting this match because she's incredibly concerned for him. Jimmy is full of confidence, saying, hey, it's cool, it's cool. And then Braun, of course, attacks from behind and just destroys Jimmy Uso. So very quickly, Naomi and, and, and Alexa tag in. Naomi's in control. Uh, Alexa keeps trying to tag Braun in, but Jimmy constantly prevents that by attacking or distracting Braun before he can tag in. So now Braun is on the floor. Alexa is positioned up top on the top turnbuckle. Naomi delivers a kick, knocking Alexa off, and Alexa falls straight from the top turnbuckle onto the floor, directly into Braun's arms. They pause... And Alexa and Braun stare lovingly into each other's <laughs> eyes. They are, uh, it's kind of that awkward, oh man, wow, look at this weird position that we're in. So Alexa is put back up on the apron. Naomi knocks her off again as she flies back into Braun's arms. So audience reacted big for all this. Jimmy is on the floor laughing at Braun, taunting him for literally catching feelings. And Braun <laughs> gets mad. Just gives chase to Jimmy, drives him into the barricade with in, insane force. So Alexa and, and Naomi continue taking most of this match. They really just they actually wrestled like ninety percent of this match. And idea the idea I suppose is to limit Braun's time in the ring because the moment Braun tags in, it is such a mismatch that the match will be immediately over because it's Braun Strowman versus Jimmy Uso. So 
at some point, Braun has had enough of not being able to tag in, so he just decides to run across the ring, destroying Jimmy Uso. He clears the table, sends Jimmy Uso through the table with a running power slam. Um, our first table spot on the mixed match challenge. Oh well, we're getting uh, into the uh, the big tournament matches now. Yes, yes. Naomi gets distracted by by seeing her husband get destroyed on the outside, and this allows for Alexa to roll her up for the victory. Um, I might be missing a few details here and there because my feed kept cutting out for this, uh, but I'm not going to say this was necessarily as fun as maybe the first Braun and Alexa match, but it really still had a lot of fun moments. Uh, I think Naomi playing the concerned wife was excellent, and I think the romantic teasing between Braun and Alexa is proving to be a lot of fun too. I, I think comedic Braun is, is just great. So I really like this team together. My uh, picks for the finals would be them as well as Asuka and, and The Miz. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a solid week for the Mixed Match Challenge. Bobby Roode and Charlotte, they cut a selfie promo because they're going to be on next week. Did they catch some feelings? I don't know if they... They're numb, let's just say, because they say that it's not going to be a Rusev day. It's going to be... Woo day. <laughs> I think these two, I mean, if Braun and Alexa... Couldn't, couldn't they at least go a step further? Like, what day does, does the mix Match Challenge take place on? Woo's day. I don't know if that'd be that much better, but uh, sure. Yeah, it'd be a slight improvement. I, I think, like, I mean, if Braun and Alexa have some of the best chemistry, I think Charlotte and Bobby Roode have some of the worst. Ooh, like, way. Like, no, I mean it. Like, for two people who I think like have similar uh, gimmicks with with robes and just kind of like, I mean, they're playing their father. They're playing. They're playing Ric Flair. These two just, they just don't seem like they they're putting any creativity into this. I'm almost starting to think that they they can't even stand being around each other in the same room because I, I all I've seen from them uh, in these selfie promos and even in the matches is just like them using other people's catchphrases. And saying woo and glorious. And that's been it. So uh, don't like that team at all. They are going to take on the team of Rusev and Lana. And Rusev continues to sing. Lana is the best. Lana number one. Well then. The Mixed Match Challenge. We are we are getting down to the... Uh, what are we at now? Are we in the... Quarterfinals. Same as quarterfinals. the quarterfinals. Live. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to keep all my tournaments straight. All right. Well... That was that show. Now we move on to 205 Live. And we opened up with a recap of the tournament. And we heard from Ali, Buddy Murphy, Mark Andrews, and Drew Gulak. And Dosh is back. She interviewed Drew Gulak, who admits he has not opened up Microsoft Office in weeks because he is focused on becoming champion. And Andrews wants to take his moment. And he tells Dasha to watch this as he walks out to the ring. I like that he still owns PowerPoint. He's not forgotten about all that, but he's just yeah. He's he's got a license for it. Yeah, yeah. it's not a it's not a cracked version. Mm. Mark Andrews and Drew Gulak had their tournament match. We're in the quarterfinals here, which meant we got to hear the sounds of Junior bringing out Mark Andrews, my favorite band. Really? Yeah, I love them. Yeah, this had uh, a great line. Andrews was able to get a headlock, and Nigel is saying that Mark Andrews having the technical advantage here 
that's a slap in the face to Gulak. But right as he said this line, Gulak slapped Andrews. So Vic interrupted saying, no, that's a slap in the face. <laughs> it, was pr- it was the best timing ever. Wow. Andrews landed a moonsault off the announcer's desk on the floor and then a standing corkscrew inside the ring. Vic then added that Andrews wants to go back to his family and tell them that he is going to the grandest stage dive of them all. That's WrestleMania. Oh, my God. The grandest stage dive of them all. He hit a hurricane run at the Gulak off the edge of the apron, and then he hit a moonsault off the turnbuckle to the floor. There was literally, I am not exaggerating this, there was one guy yelling boring and trying to be as loud as he could, but it was literally one person. What an idiot. Well, Andrews leaps from the top. He's met with a lariat, hits some short arm clotheslines. Andrews then catches him with the stun dog millionaire, goes to the top for the shooting star press, lands on the knees of Gulak, who then applies the Gulak for the win at 12 minutes and 12 seconds, and he needs to be pried off. He won't let go of the hold, and he is advancing to the semifinals. I thought a really good match. I thought Andrews looked really good. He plays the the high-flying underdog babyface really well. I would say, unfortunately, the lack of cooperation from the crowd really hurt him. There's nothing sadder than seeing a babyface try to, like, have a fiery comeback and motioning to the audience to cheer and nobody responding. It, it, it it's really sad. Um, it's tough to get an attention from this crowd as an unknown, unless you're doing a bunch of like the spe- spectacular flips and, and they didn't really allow him to pull that stuff out until the end of the match. So they don't really have a chance, but that's nothing new with two Oh five five. But I think Gulak, I really like as a serious technician, I think in ring, he's so good. Uh, and, you know, in the turn- tournament, he's one of the few guys with some notoriety from his previous uh, appearances on 205 Live. So I could see why why they let him go through to the next round. Yeah, I think I enjoyed both of their opening round matches more. But uh, match was fine. Match was good. It had some some good stuff throughout. Um, yeah, uh, what you said are kind of my same criticisms. I've also really enjoyed Vic Joseph and uh, um, Nigel as a team. I think they're I mean, obviously, it helps because the wrestling's so much better now. But uh, he and Nigel are, are also like improving along with the show. Yeah, Vic had some good lines in, in, in this broadcast. Drake Maverick is backstage on the phone. We're a month in. I'm still not used to this name. <laughs> it's a weird name. Yeah, it is. Akira, Akira Tozawa and Hideo Itami walk in. They have a tag match tonight. And both were down on losing in the first round. And, and Maverick says that they're two of the best they have. And he says how you guys are probably wondering why I've paired you two together. And Way probably started shaking his head. <laughs> he says that Atami is a legend all over the world. And Tozawa is a former Cruiserweight champion. And he's seen them backstage. They hang out together. And they can bring the best out of one another. So they shake hands and they're, they're like, yeah, yeah, we know each other. <laughs> and Tozawa then says to Maverick, if you're wrong, you're fired. And smiles at him. Yes, it is absolutely predictable that you put um, two minorities um, of the same uh, ethnicity together. <laughs> well, they explain uh, later. They they can speak the same language. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'd be upset, but they've really got no other ideas for these two, so why not? There are rumors that uh, 205 Live is going to be instituting their, their own tag team titles. Am I right? 
Yeah, yeah, that was um, uh, Mike Johnson had that note that post WrestleMania they're looking at introducing tag titles, which would not be high on my priority list. Is more titles, but but, but for two hundred five live, I mean, you have a lot of talent in the division now, and only one hour a week for all these guys. They're not all going to be gunning for that world championship, right? I mean, I I think I mean you have to treat two hundred five live like it's another NXT, and I think tag titles kind of make sense. You know, in the end, if you're getting great matches out of it, like we, I think we, we have the potential to see with a team like Hideo Itami and Akira Tozawa, then I'm all for it. Then we got um, some surveillance footage of Mustafa Ali on these steps outside as he uh. cut his promo about what Buddy Murphy's eyes told him. It was not surveillance footage. I mean, John what? John's being joking, but. Okay, please, please uh, cover the promo. Okay. He tells Buddy to look into his eyes, and his best-kept secret is that he doesn't fight for himself, he fights for others, and he walked off. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was not surveillance footage, but it was, like, uh, kind of tinged blue from, like, like uh, I guess, like, the, the lighting outside of an arena. I actually really liked this. I thought it was, like, something that looked modern and cool, um, in fact, like, I have to wonder if, if perhaps Jeremy Borash had a hand in this because it was that same kind of like soft focus DSLR style that we've seen so much in TNA backstage seg- segments. It was very like, we know he, Borash has been touring around with NXT. Um, we know that like the, the footage that they shot with that Velveteen dream promo that we saw at that NXT house show had a very similar feel to something like this. And I thought it. The setting was cool. It made Ali look cool. It made the promo feel modern. So I was a fan of it. I, I thought the actual promo was was fine. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have Listen, much to it's praise a huge or criticize over the selfies. And I'll say it's a huge improvement over a lot of the backstage stuff they do that I think is oftentimes overproduced. Perfect. What are you talking about? I I couldn't tell what he was even talking about. How was how was I supposed to follow with just words? Yeah. <laughs> Akira Tozawa and Hideo Itami took on Nevin Alexander and Scott James. Alexander got in brief offense before he was dumped on his neck. Uh, there was a mild version of the Kenta series, and with some very light strikes, it seemed that Itami was just on his best behavior here. Tagged in Tozawa, hit a senton, and pinned James for the win. Really quick match, but I mean, really meant to be a quick match because this was supposed to be a showcase match for the new team of Tozawa and Itami, a team I really like. I appreciate that the two of them worked out a lot of double team maneuvers together beforehand and didn't simply come in here wrestling as singles. Um, Man, years ago, like who would have thought that like pudgy Akira Tozawa from Dragon Gate would go on to like be the star of a tag team between he and Kenta? (laughs) Kenta. Yeah. Like their their stocks have really in, in basically a glorified dark match show. Well, yeah. uh, after SmackDown, yeah. But I mean, Tazawa is clearly you know has connected a lot more with the with the American audience than a Tommy, I think. Um, but as a team, I like it. I, I think they're you know the the thing is I I wish like a lot of these tag teams could jump back and forth between the actual. Like think how like okay the bar has no more challengers the Usos have no more challengers but how great would it be for some of these cruiserweights to go up and and challenge them? Well, it's um, yeah, there I, I don't see that happening. I just see everyone's just gonna have kind of be concentrated on this show that are the cruiserweights. I I don't know. I'm kind of torn on where 
some of the, like the the UK talent is going to end up because I can see it just being on this show, like mm-hmm. where Tyler Bate ends up, and I think that's just there's so much more you could do with that guy beyond yeah. like 205 Live. Yes, we can we can look at all the improvements it's made, but it's still got such a long way to go, and I still feel that even the biggest star on 205 Live is going to be so low on the totem pole. Does it hurt a guy being on 205 Live versus, let's say, him being on NXT? I know, like, the crowd is obviously better at an NXT show. But in the end, you're dealing with a small fraction of the audience that's actually seeing these people. So do you really think it hurts their stock that much? Because, like, Tyler Bate, he's losing. He lost on NXT this week. Um, but does I, that- I, do, I do think there's a much bigger benefit to being on NXT. First of all, it's... Like, there's no disputing, like, where it is in the hierarchy. It's like you get to the top of there, and then you springboard to the main roster. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, even those guys, like, like the TV is like, you, you don't have crowds like you do on 205 Live. As right. small as they are, they're generally, you know, you have your, your full-sale crowd that's up for matches and down for matches, but it's still, there's an atmosphere there. And the key guys all get to come off like superstars mm-hmm. five times a year at TakeOver. So 205 Live, it's just this purgatory. Like, you're not going anywhere. You're just there forever. Mm-hmm. And it's a show now that it just... it. I don't care who you are. It's just like this melting pot of indifference from the audience. So you can put all the talent you want there. There's still even a month into this new experiment, no evidence that the audience is going to be changing their tune when it comes to the wrestling that they're watching. It's just, it's not a star making show at the moment because mm-hmm. they don't have stars on this show. Yeah, that's very true. Roderick strong is training at the performance center. His match with Cedric Alexander is next week. And I am really looking forward to that match. I think that's going to be so great. I think it could be better than anything at fast lane, but mm. the big uh, overarching thing is going to be, of course the audience, which may just, but even even that said, I think these two are still going to have an uh, outstanding match next week. I've really just kind of like resigned to the idea that they're wrestling these matches for the people at home who are paying attention, not necessarily the crowd. Um, and that said, that's why like I I almost like hope that they stop doing a lot of like the motioning to the crowd for approval types of uh, things because um, I don't know it just doesn't connect. But they, I mean, there have been exceptions. I think I think plenty of the like both of the Roderick Strong matches have received pretty good reactions from the audience. Um, I think Roderick's going to bring like a great intensity to that match, and and we know Cedric always brings it. So, I, I mean, that match could be really good, like you said. Like if this really takes off, what they should be doing is just once a month doing a two hundred five live taping at a small venue on the road, and you do your month's worth of tapings. Uh, yeah, not a bad idea, actually. It's an added expense, but you want to be going on the road. Yeah. And to me, you're you're not booking a massive NBA-sized arena for this. You're going to a 1,000, 2,000-seat arena, and you do a four-hour taping, and that's your month. So now what would you do with the, with the real estate after SmackDown? You could still air this, but you're airing that show. That's going to be – it's going to be taped. It's right. going to be taped, but it still airs after SmackDown. Now how about for the live crowd? They get to go home, <laughs> but the but if you're the WWE, you're you're promising people a guaranteed night of at least three hours of rest. You're not guaranteeing them three hours. You never promise that. Give them a dark match after. You're still getting. I mean, you can 
put stuff out there if you if you feel the need to. But mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus, I I don't know anyone that goes to a live WWE show where after the complaint is, I could have gone for another hour, <laughs> I could have taken a bit more. No one ever says that. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Alexander, Cedric Alexander, not Nevin, uh, had a sit-down. He has one more match to go, and then he'd be in the finals. And he's come so close to getting a Cruiserweight title match, and then something horrible happens. He did not outline these horrible things that have happened. And he will go to WrestleMania and become champion this time. Yeah, not not much of a promo. Just standard. Buddy Murphy's mandatory weigh-in. He is down to 197 pounds. Yeah, so he keeps on dropping weight. So do you feel that uh, maybe they can waive these these weigh-ins? I mean, this guy is, is well under the limit. I think he's fine. Um, They should, yeah, really. I mean, he should just be, he doesn't even have to take off the shirt. Like, he no, he, he, let, he let Drake just keep the shirt. He's gonna, yeah. just going to walk around shirtless backstage. He could even, like, have a chain on, like uh, Andre Arlovsky. Remember there's like that one weigh in. <laughs> it's so funny where like Andre Orlovsky is wearing like he's weighing in and he's got he's wearing this like metal heavy chain. And then the commission tells him to take the chain off. So Orlovsky takes it off and he puts it in his pocket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mustafa Ali versus Buddy Murphy was our final match of our long night in Green Bay. Ali starts to run, and Murphy gets in his way. And McGinnis says that Murphy is not only stronger, he's also faster than Ali, which I don't know if that would be true. Murphy shushes Ali. So Ali responds by drop-kicking him. Murphy comes back with an inside-out clothesline. And then, this was unique, Murphy's left arm is holding the bottom rope as he's down. And Ali comes off the top with a 450 splash onto the arm. Yeah, that looked crazy. Like, that's that that is like um you know driving a cinder block into somebody's head level of like gruesome looking. Like that that's enough to like if if you were to tell me that okay this guy's gonna be out for two months as a result of like an angle that they shot with this spot I would totally believe it. Well, he worked on the arm. Murphy ran at Ali and he missed him. Way he ran into the shoulder post. Uh, into the that's what I'm just gonna call it the shoulder post. Sure, uh, that's what it's designated for now. He blocks a tornado DDT, sends Ali to the floor, and Murphy hit this huge tope con hero. Looked very impressive, mm-hmm. and then a double knees off the top. Ali landed a reverse rana, dumping Murphy on his head, and hit this flying DDT out of the turnbuckle. Got a near fall off of that, and then Murphy goes for this pump handle that is called Murphy's Law, but Murphy's <laughs> Murphy's back gives out, which was the greatest name for a move involving a guy whose back is injured and can't actually hit Murphy's Law. Uh, what do you mean? Murphy's Law is anything that can go wrong does. Oh, okay. So here's this guy who goes for his big move and he can't do it because is, his back is hurt. That is good. Ali then kicks out of a backslide and catches Murphy with a crucifix and pins him at 11 minutes and four seconds. I would say a surprise. Uh, of who's going over. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I would say so too. But I mean, the fact that they had Ali kind of cut a number of promos leading into this, 
I really could have seen it go either way. I thought a really good match. The the way he won, I think, what might have been a bit of a surprise. It wasn't a spectacular finish. He didn't do the uh, inverted 450 or anything. And I feel like that was probably done to protect Murphy, to make it seem like this was a bit of a fluke. Murphy, I think, you know, had a really good match. He The man is showing to be himself to be really talented um, and may, probably really underrated. Because, I mean, outside of, like, before his appearance here, I heard nobody talk about Buddy Murphy. Um, so... He really had a great showing, great strikes, great bumping, good character. I almost feel like having him on 205 Live now, I don't even know where he goes from here. I almost want him to have a bigger rundown in NXT as a single star because I'm really not sure how far he can, he can go on 205 Live. Well, you just answered your question there about 205 Live versus NXT. Yes, that is. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. But my, I guess my point earlier was like, how much does it hurt somebody to be on 205 Live? Because the way you look at NXT is, I mean, the way I kind of look at NXT is, yes, it's a great place for people to develop, but there's also, also a backlog of people that he, I mean, yeah. Buddy Murphy is someone that has benefited from this last month significantly. Yeah. Well, what I mean is like, in the grand scheme of things, not your, like a small percentage of your WWE audience is watching NXT. Same with 205 Live. So if somebody happens to job on either NXT or 205 Live, does it necessarily hurt them that much for, for their main roster run? No, and I don't think that it's even... Like, like it's so distinct now that I, I don't even think that that's as much a factor from the audience that's watching versus... I, I mean, I've, I honestly feel there's, there's... For these two shows that you're listing, it's much more about the audience is just watching for the wrestling much more than even mm-hmm. how a guy is protected or booked or anything like that. Um, but I, what I took at the end of this is it's probably going to be Cedric and Ali in the finals, the two best friends. And that's, Story- I, I think that's going to be the final. Yeah. From a storyline perspective, it really does seem like those two are probably the most well-known to a WWE audience. Um, Cause if Roderick wins Roderick versus Gulak doesn't feel like it's a WrestleMania match. Roderick versus Ali also doesn't really feel like it's a WrestleMania match. So I'm kind of with you at this point. It does kind of look like it could be Ali versus Cedric. And you kind of bring everything full circle because before the, um, like at the end of that Enzo stuff, it was Ali and Cedric kind of like holding down that show and Mm -hmm. having great performances. So it would kind of bring everything back. Yeah. I still feel that Cedric and Roderick would have been my, my pick to be the finals. But we're getting it next week instead. So that was uh, that was everything. So quite a lot taking place on Tuesday night. And we can head on over to feedback now. And up at forum.postwrestling.com, you folks voted that tonight's show of SmackDown was a 5.8 out of 10. Okay. That's, that's about the average. Do you think we'll ever see a 10, a perfect 10, raw or oh. SmackDown? I don't know. That's that's going to be the unicorn. This is a very hard voting audience. I've noticed. Like it's. I I mean, we. I don't think we've even cracked like an eight. Yeah, we're not even close to that perfect show out there. So uh, we will find out. We will continue these until we. uh, Is someone tracking these? Like this is just screaming for the archivist to have a graph or something. They're there. They're like they're all in the post wrestling cafe section of the forum, uh, which all post wrestling cafe members have access to. Yes. Uh, let us go now to the feedback that was left in the 
feedback section. Anthony from L.A. writes, I was at work today, and an older gentleman who works in the same building came in and asked one of my coworkers if he watched WWE last night. I've talked to this guy about wrestling before, and he liked it as a child, and then in the 80s and early 90s. So to hear that he had tuned in was cool. He wanted to see what they were doing with Rousey. Unfortunately, he changed the channel after seeing that terribly off-the-mark punch thrown by Kurt Angle. Do you think that the lack of realism or suspension of disbelief required by the product might be one of the bigger reasons casual fans aren't as interested in WWE? This guy wasn't shocked the punch was fake just by how bad it looked. Mm, I mean, if you're a fan coming from MMA and watching pro wrestling, expecting the same type of realism that you watch MMA with, you're... This is probably not your outlet. No, you're you're not watching pro wrestling the right way. Like, I remember back at the Fight Network where we would watch wrestling with a lot of um, our, our MMA, I guess, focused staff. And a lot of the comments were just about how fake everything looked. And of course, like, a wrestling punch is not going to look like an MMA punch. Of course, like, a rear naked choke in pro wrestling is not going to look like a rear naked choke in MMA. But that's not the point. The point is to tell story. The point is to like, um, you know, create emotion through a series of moves. And I mean, I think that to me is, is really what uh, somebody should be watching for and not necessarily for a perfect picture looking or picture perfect looking punch. It's like that one time we had Dana White and Rich Franklin coming in. And this was, this was years and years ago. And the ultimate, the self-destruction of the ultimate warrior DVD was playing. And Rich Franklin starts like breaking down all the holes in Ultimate Warriors offense to Dana. <laughs> and I'm just like shaking my head. I'm like, seriously? Like, dude, it's like, oh my God. It's like, yeah, you, you picked your target right. Yes, that is not, a, that would not be an effective hammer lock, Rich. <laughs> what was he saying? Like, I'd love to know. Oh, it's why it this so long ago. why this wouldn't work in real life. Oh, he's like, he's pointing out like to Dana, like, oh, look at it, look at the. Look at the torque, or uh, I don't know. He was like, he was just making fun of his like offense. I'm like, dude, it's uh, it's the ultimate war. Meanwhile, David Loazzo is also there, and he just is in love with this stuff. And oh, he I just, know. Yeah, I gave him you, like you bought copy. him. You bought him the DVD. Uh, we we had like a few copies there, so I just gave him one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you're well, up. We got a big Chauncey from Denver with Fastlane fastly approaching. How will they make this main event any better than w- w- the one tonight? Aside from changing the winning percentage from 20% to 16.6667, I also, also I have a raw question. Do you think Elias will challenge Braun in a cage match at WrestleMania? Uh, no. Cage match? No. Yeah, I have no interest in that at all, uh, nor do I think they do. And he asked how What they, is he talking about? With the, the six-way being better than tonight's main event? Yeah. Is that what how, he's asking? I guess he wasn't very impressed with the, uh, with the five-man tonight and how will the six-man be better. Oh, I thought I thought tonight's match it was fine. Um, and I think it's going to be a really good match on on Sunday. I'm not worried about those six having a pretty entertaining match. Uh, Brand, yeah, I don't know. They're going to uh, put barbed wire around the ropes. Yeah, Brandon from Oshawa. I thought the text during the promos was bad before, but it got to a whole new level of stupid. Watching with no volume, I was watching a hockey game and had SmackDown on mute. Baron Corbin promo came on, and all I saw was, I owe John Cena. I could maybe get behind these texts during promos if they had some sort of message or meaning. What exactly did he owe Cena? A sandwich? I'm sure he said a beating or something. I didn't bother to go back and listen. My point is, why not at least (laughs) emphasize the stuff that needs to be emphasized? Easy for you to say. 
Man, uh, not just any random word or line. It got even worse when they added text recapping Cena's raw promo. If they're going to do this, do it with Nakamura and let him speak Japanese and not try to be a comedian. Well, not that I feel Brandon really cares, but he was referencing the, the SummerSlam program with Cena and Corbin. Oh, okay. A sandwich? Is that what you mean? Well, he was asking, what did Corbin owe him? And Cena beat him at SummerSlam, oh, so oh, he okay. owes him for that. I thought there was like a sta- sandwich reference that I missed. All right, we got a Lara from Vancouver. I complained last week about Cedric's poor selling of his knee hurting his match, so it's only fair that I praise Buddy Murphy's incredible selling this week. Murphy's selling of his arm was out of this world. From only hooking a leg on a pin with his good arm to the small touch of doing a backslide with just one arm, everything he did was bang on. Last week, I said if you do a body part match, it should factor into the finish. And this week, wow, did it ever. Murphy has star potential. Also, if you didn't see the full version of Ali's promo on Twitter, go and check it out. It was one of the best promos I've seen in a while, and I'm glad a portion of it made it onto 205 Live. I'm glad they could fit in time so a portion of this promo could air. That was so Mm -hmm. good. God forbid we aired the whole thing. Yeah, 10-minute promos are only reserved for Raw. Well, Jay from Denver. The Mustafa Ali promo is fantastic. Buddy Murphy is amazing. Drew Gulak has reinvented himself. With that being said, screw the guys who were chanting let's go home during the first match. Not funny, not cute, not smart. Any truth to the Cruiserweight tag division and belt rumors? It looks like the tag match tonight lends weight to those rumors. Maybe we can get an intercontinental cruiserweight tag, intercontinental cruiserweight title or a United States cruiserweight title or even a cruiserweight cruiserweight title. (laughs) Cruiserweight, cruiserweight title. Um... (laughs) Bantamweight title, how about that? Yeah, listen, I, I'm i not big on more titles in this company. I prefer less. I know that, you know, it's, I guess it's it's a tool. But to me, it's it's not so much the titles you have, it's how over your titles are. And I think you have a Cruiserweight title that's not even all that important at the moment. So I, I'll say there's no way you'll ever see a secondary Cruiserweight belt, but I think a tag division belt, is is there, I definitely think there's there's room for it. I I could see them doing um another tournament. Might be a little soon, especially with the Dusty Rhodes cl- uh, Classic coming up. Maybe you don't do that. But I, I mean, just think about a lot of these weeks, John. Where where like you, I think you you often want to be able to advertise a title match, and you not only that, but you want something for people to chase to. And with just one belt for the entire division, you're gonna have a lot of weeks with. No momentum. Gotta have the big mo. Yeah. We go to the, uh, what's this guy's name here? We go to Sam who says, that was a really good SmackDown. Ziggler versus Styles was great. Mixed match challenge continues to be fun. I think Carmella might cash in at Fastlane. I don't see that happening. Or, I mean, maybe he's suggesting that she fails in her cash in. I think that would be quite the payoff after all these months. Uh, No. I wouldn't. I would imagine that she's gonna hold off until after WrestleMania. You would think. Well, I mean, okay. Let's say if it's Charlotte and Asuka, are you in agreement that Asuka would win that? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Are so, you suggesting Carmella ends the streak right after? Listen, it's it's a possibility. And if 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 Asuka is gonna win the belt at WrestleMania, uh, that's who Carmella would be cashing in on. And so either you're going to have a failed cash-in or you're going to have Carmella in the streak of Asuka, which would infuriate the internet, but perhaps in their minds give Carmella the best push that they that, that she could possibly have. It's possible. It's possible. 
Uh, MJ writes, does WWE need to do away with the pay-per-views between Rumble and Mania? I understand one to... One to crown another challenger, but should the champions not be booked strong and not ever vulnerable heading into a headlining Mania match? Also, all of these challenges make the Rumble less important. Next year, when the pay-per-view rosters are loaded, I'd use one show to set up the rest of the card. It's stupid waiting five to seven weeks up to the Rumble before the real road begins. Uh, I would say next year, now that you're combining the rosters on all the pay-per-views, they should just do either a February or March show. Do the Elimination Chamber Mm -hmm. and... That should be your one show in between because realistically, like the Elimination Chamber and Fastlane, like these are just lame duck shows to me that we're getting through. Yeah. And uh, you could combine it so that you have the one singular focus of crowning a challenger uh, for the opposite title and mm. go, go from there. I, I think that's all you need. The Chamber is a good one, but Fastlane definitely doesn't need to be there. Not at um. all. If they're going to do anything, like, I'd love to see them plan something like a uh, annual special match, like, <laughs> right in between, you know, with zero stakes. Like, what? okay, for instance, what we saw, like, in the at the anniversary show, for instance, with uh, Okada challenging Will Ospreay, no stakes involved, but still, like, a hot, fun match, um... That uh, you know, according to Okada, is sort of like a, a tradition because everybody's getting ready for for the the New Japan Cup, right? Like, I'd love to see some type of tradition being built for sort of like an ex. I don't want to say exhibition because that that kind of makes it feel like it's worthless, but I don't know something that you can do in between the Rumble and WrestleMania that's still interesting, but doesn't necessarily have any impact on the title picture. What if you do a uh, the entire roster can enter a battle royal, and the winner gets the Samovar Cup. Uh, yeah, they they need to dig that up from probably uh, Davy's house. Yeah, but yeah, we got to bring that thing back. All right, Samovar. let's do one more. Okay, we go to uh, our next piece of feedback. Who says SmackDown was fine this week? The Ruby Charlotte segment was decent. The main event was good, but unnecessary, and it seems weird that Sammy would turn on Kevin before the title match. Wouldn't it make more sense for him to lull Owens into security before turning on him when it matters? 205 Live was great again this week, though the crowd continues to be an issue. Gulak and Andrews had a great match, and not only did they not react, but they heckled them for chanting for the Packers, and one guy chanting boring. Buddy Murphy and Mustafa Ali had an excellent match. Murphy, Sulling, and Bumping were out of this world, and the arm work played so well into the finish. It felt like a matchup they want to go back to later with this being a setup for the future. I also enjoyed the teaming of Atami and Tozawa. They mesh well together. That being said, what do you guys think of the rumored tag titles? Do you like or dislike the idea? Oh, we discussed that. Yeah, we've kind of gone over that. I mean, the one thing with Sammy, though, it's like if you were to save the reveal for Sunday and he's not winning the match, it kind of makes it irrelevant. Yes, yes, I agree. Yeah, no, this is definitely the the right time to do it. I didn't mind the way they did it tonight, uh, and I kind of like that kind of twist at the end of the show. It, it was more so from just like a in character perspective why he right. would do this. Right. Okay. Uh, before we go, I did want to mention our good fr- uh, friend Chris Charlton has launched a Indiegogo campaign for his upcoming book, which is called Eggshells. Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome. And if you just go search that title in Indiegogo, the page will come up. Uh, he's looking to raise funds to put this book together. Um, and he's offering some really cool rewards. So if you want to go check that out on Indiegogo, uh, that campaign is live and is uh, up for the next month or so. Yeah. And the, the Twitter is also uh, at ESBooked. 
E-S-B-O-O-K-E-D. Cool. So it's, yeah, the book is like a synopsis. It's a history of every wrestling show that has taken place at the Tokyo Dome. So very cool um, that he is uh, putting that book together. So you can go check that out. Um, what else do we have going on? Uh, up at postwrestling.com, we have all of our latest shows, latest news. Um, uh, for those that just heard on Monday's show about the whole Jonathan Coachman story, he has uh, issued his own statement. Uh, he is vehemently denying these allegations. So you can read that statement up on the site. And then we've got British Wrestling Experience up on Thursday. And Way and I are back Friday with Rewind Away up at postwrestlingcafe.com reviewing WrestleMania 20. So go uh, turn up the volume on your Drowning Pool album, listening to Step Up and... You can go relive WrestleMania from 2004 and then check out me and Way reviewing the entire marathon that was WrestleMania 20. All right. Exciting stuff. We'll speak with you later.